You know, painful trials can knock us right off our feet and flat on our backs. So today, Pastor Mike Fabares shares some biblical lifelines we can grab hold of when the storms of life threaten to keep us down. Welcome to a special edition of Focal Point. I'm your host, Dave Drury. You know, no one is immune to the troubles of life, not even pastors. Today, Pastor Mike Fabares sits down with KKLA radio host Frank Sontag to talk about the difficult personal trial he's experienced and the hope and encouragement he found in God's Word. It's what inspired Pastor Mike to write the book titled Lifelines for Tough Times, God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. Talk about your book. Well, the book is based really on a story of my own struggles and my own hurts, primarily uh, in our family. My wife and I were expecting our third child and found out that our daughter uh, prenatally had some serious problems. First, she was misdiagnosed. They said her brain was not forming. She had uh, anencephaly, which wasn't uh, didn't turn out to be the case. Uh, but it was interesting because everybody, the genetic counselor, the, uh, the doctor, everybody said, well, we just need to schedule you for an abortion then. That's what we need to have happen because this child isn't going to make it. And then it became, well, she may make it, but she'll be severely retarded. She will not be able to function in life well. Well, let's get that abortion scheduled. And that, <laughs> that was what we were hit with right out of the gate. And, uh, of course, that was not an option for us. We recognize that God is the giver of life, and it wasn't uh, up to us to decide uh, whether to end that life or not. Uh, that life was given by God, and we were going to do all we could to nurture and care for it. We said, we're going to carry this through. And sure enough, a lot of these diagnoses were wrong, and we got to the place where we had a specialist deal with us and say, you know, what's going on with your daughter here uh, is, uh, is more of a traditional problem, if I can say that, a very common uh, genetic problem of uh, spina bifida where the the spine did not close properly and she's got a serious problem that has then caused this water on the brain as they used to call it hydrocephalus and it had swollen the ventricles in her brain so large it had just compacted all of her brain against the side the inside of her cranium so it was a serious problem but the doctor said hey listen i don't think your child's going to die i think she she will survive we've got a lot of challenges we've got surgeries we're going to have to schedule we've got a lot to do here but uh you know, let's see this through and watch what happens. And of course, as, as a pastor, as a Christian, uh, you know, I'm calling out to God for help and perspective. Uh, and while God did not do something miraculous in the sense that we think of where, you know, my daughter was born 100% healthy, he certainly providentially and kindly and mercifully allowed my daughter to be born with great medical care, with a series of surgeries that were able to help modify the problems and get her on a path uh, to uh, a functioning life. And I, I mean, she's beat all of the uh, the expectations of the doctors and has done well. Uh, and she's uh, 12 years old today. This was some time ago. And she's uh, thriving and doing pretty well. She's, she's paralyzed from the knees down, uh, can't get around like the rest of us the way that we are. She's got some permanent uh, fixtures that the surgeons have put in in her brain. She has a shunt in her brain. She uh, has had to have reconstructive surgery on her lower limbs. Uh, and, and, and yet, 
you sit across the table with her and she's a, uh, you know, a, a intelligent, loving, wonderful little girl and we, we can't imagine life without her. But it was in that tough time uh, I started preaching a series of sermons that I knew everyone's hurting, everybody struggles with something. And those sermons were just so uh, well-received by so many people. Uh, Harvest House publishers came and said, you know, we'd like you to turn that into a book. And so many years later, I put together some of those thoughts, relived some of that, and uh, we just put this book together. Uh, we use biblical principles that are the lifelines to get us through those tough, turbulent times. And uh, you get to learn a little bit about our struggle and the biblical principles that will help gird up anybody, re- regardless of what your problem is. This is more of a book to give you perspective in your trial than just telling my story. My story was just the backdrop for this book. But really what I've learned to do through the years is just take what the Bible has to say. And of course, as a pastor, I'm always helping people through some trial or struggle and be able just to say, listen, God's got a way to get you through this. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to give up. You have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will give you the perspective that you need. A lot of that is expectation uh, and a lot of the things that we need in the church, fellowship. There's so many things in this book that will help people ground themselves so that they can keep their faith in tough times and not waver like so often we're tempted to do when we're really hurting. The book is Lifelines for Tough Times. Mike, I want to focus in Scripture, as you just said. But you said so much in that first few moments. I've got a question or two. Um, your, your daughter is 12 now, so we're talking about a bit of time between all of this happened and now. How was that for you to go back and put these thoughts together and open the Holy Word? And I mean, I imagine you had to go back to maybe some areas that maybe weren't so great to go back and were tough right. times right. for you. Right. No, that's right. And, and what's interesting about that, one of the things we do in Scripture is learn to look ahead. A lot of the things that we go through, we need to say, okay, it's happened. We're in this situation. Now we need to look forward, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on ahead. So for me to go back to that was a bit of a, a, a difficult thing to go back and relive all of that. You know, prenatal ICU, not knowing what's going to happen next, the infection with spinal surgery and brain surgery. I mean, these were two surgeries she had in her first week of life. And the, the, the difficulties of not knowing whether this child that you love so much is going to survive another, another day, another week. And as I've often said, sometimes the hardest kind of suffering is not the suffering that happens in our lives, but to the ones that we love. And you know that, Frank. When you're looking at someone you desperately love and they're in pain and you feel hopeless that you can't do anything about it. And you pray your prayers and you're wondering, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And I think in some ways that brings up the basic questions of Christian theology. And that is, how can God be a good God, know everything, have all power, and here is a God I'm assuming knows my situation, and he's got the power to stop it, and he doesn't change it. How do we deal with that? The book really deals with that question in a way that's not super theological. It's not difficult to read. It probably, I've written several books, probably the most simple book I've written in terms of understanding what I'm trying to say in very simple terms, and yet I'm dealing with some of the most thorny and difficult, complex theological problems that we have. How can we affirm a good God with all this bad in the world. And when it hits our lives, man, we ask that question in a, in a brand new way. Mike, I want to ask you, you, you mentioned, and again, you know the Word of God, you preach it well and clear. We know the answers are in the Word, and yet we still struggle with life's everyday challenges. Talk a bit about 
some of the ways in which we can go to the Holy Word of God and comprehend He's got the blueprint right there for these tough times. Yeah, well, right out of the gate, one thing I do in the first chapter is remind us that our expectations play such a big role in this. You know, I I could sit here and say, well, I'm a pastor. I'm serving God. That's what I've trained to do. I've been doing that my whole life. Why would I have a disabled daughter, right? Should I be exempt from that? Doesn't it work this way? You do good things. Good things happen to you, right? I mean, that's how we often think. And unfortunately, many times we'll get Bible verses thrown at us that make us think that's how it's supposed to be. And yet there's a whole other series of Bible verses that people don't often look at. I don't often preach on, but it reminds us that being a Christian does not exempt us from the difficulties of life. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 3, when sin takes place and enters the world, Here is God saying, well, here's something that's going to happen now. We're going to have a kind of of rearrangement of the very fabric of life. The ground itself is going to bear thorns and thistles, right? And now to go out and do something good, you're going to have to work through all the difficulty of the thorns in life. And not only that, you're made from the dust of the earth, which he just cursed in Genesis 3. And he said, from dust you've been made and to dust you'll return. And that dust now, those materials, that material of our lives, we're subject to disease and decay and aging and death. And those are things that we have to think, well, can't God just give us a pass on all that? So the expectations are so key. So many Christians think when they step into the Christian life, I got my bag in hand, I'm ready to go on a journey with Christ and everything is going to be great. But the Bible says the Spirit of God is going to work in you to give you the strength. Here's words that we see all the time in the New Testament, perseverance, endurance, patience. Those are the things that get my mind ready for this. Now, I didn't know I was going to have a disabled daughter. I didn't know these difficulties were going to be residual in, in, in our lives and in her life. And my heart aches for those pains and difficulties and trials and disabilities. But that is the promise of the Christian life. You're going to have trouble, but I can help you overcome it. Think of the storm. I and mean, Lifelines is a great picture, right, of a stormy, turbulent sea. When Jesus has his disciples in that boat and there is a storm, right? And the way we teach this in Sunday school is often, look, Jesus got up and calmed the storm. Peace be still. And the waves were calm and they were like, wow, that's amazing. But that's really not the point of the story. We can teach some things about what we learn about Christ from that. But the point of the story is he rebuked his disciples. He said, where's your faith? Do you not have any faith? You don't trust me? And what was the statement they made? Don't you care about us? We're out here. We're going to perish. They did not trust that God had a good plan for them. They thought that the storm meant somehow God didn't love them. God didn't care for them. And Jesus says, you need to trust me in the difficult times. You need to be sure that your confidence in me is that he will work out the difficulties in the end for good. But prepare your mind for action. Get your life ready for difficulty because you're going to have it. And that's the promise of the Christian life. Now, do we find peace in the midst of the storm? Absolutely. Did Jesus have peace in the storm? He's on the cushion in the back of the stern of the boat. He's asleep. He's taking a nap. We, we can be at peace in the midst of our storms. And that's what this book is all about. Pastor Mike has a brand new book entitled Lifelines for Tough Times, God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. And Pastor Mike, there's a few chapters that really caught my eye as it applies to pain. One is called The Pain You Can Change, Shifting the Focus Amid the Hurt, Learning to Pray Through the Pain. Would you talk about pain, the reality of pain, emotional as well? And yet, um, I don't mean to be redundant here, but goodness gracious, we've got God's Word 
that points us to the answers for all of that. Right. Well, the pain you can change. I mean, there's a couple of verses in the Bible that speak so loudly to the problem of pain in our lives that is connected to sin in our lives. And and we like to think, well, you know, if I'm a Christian, the problems in my life must be related just to the curse in Genesis 3 and the sinful world, the sinful body. It can't be God causing any of this. It was an interesting statement there in Psalm 51, where David speaks of the bones that God has broken in his life. Now, if you read the superscription to that psalm, you'll see this is the song he writes reflecting on his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And he's come to the place of repentance, and he looks back, and he's praying now that God would heal the bones that God has broken in his life. Talk about emotional pain. This was not physical pain. I mean, David didn't go through some kind of physical accident because of this adultery. The guilt of that had broken him inside. He he talks about in Psalm 32, the heavy hand of God was upon him. You want to talk about a depressed man? He was depressed. He was hurting in his heart. And the Bible here says, Listen, I'm ready to give you forgiveness and grant you restoration and restore to you the joy of your salvation. But you got to repent, David. And that's why God sent Nathan to David and said, listen, you got to fess up. You can't keep trying to sweep your sin under the carpet. You got to come clean. So the pain we can change. So often we, we hurt and we just say, God, fix it, fix it. And sometimes God is trying to get some voice through Nathan or some other way to say, listen, you got to see the connection between this pain and this sin in your life. And we just need to always be asking as Psalm 139 says, search me, try me, know my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me. So we've got to be honest with ourselves, knowing that God is a God, as Hebrews 12 says, who is diligent to discipline those he loves. And if he loves us and we are in some area of our lives rebelling against him and we're trying to hide it and cover it, the Bible says eventually he's going to pull out the paddle and he's going to paddle our rear end in some way. It could be emotional. It could be financial. It could be through our health. Who knows what it is? There's lots of examples in the Bible. Haggai chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There's all kinds of examples of how he does this in terms of the pain, but we need to start with that. That's why that's the second chapter of the book. We need to get quickly into, God, is there anything in my life? that may need to change? Is there some providential reason you've allowed this in my life to point out some sin in my life? So that's critical. And the Word of God helps us because now we look at the Word of God and we see it tells us there are all kinds of things in our lives that God deals with because we're looking at a passage, a principle of Scripture, and we're rebelling against it. We got to clean that out. Confession, and God will fix that. He will restore the joy of our salvation if we come to repentance And I'm talking to Christians now, right? Not non-Christians. Repentance in Revelation 2 and 3, Christ is talking. Repent, repent, repent. And what does he say? Even in the third chapter there to the church of Laodicea, those I love, I discipline. So repent. Stop being lukewarm in that chapter so that I can bring blessing to your life and not this pain of discipline. Pastor Mike, another chapter, you exemplify and accentuate the need for us as Christians to learn, I like the way you say, learning to pray through the pain. Not just pray through the pain, learning to pray through the pain. Talk a bit about what that chapter represents. Well, I tell, I tell a story in that chapter about a gal that gives birth while driving a car. Now, I know we've heard a lot about people giving birth, maybe in the back seat, maybe on the way to the hospital. This gal was actually driving the car in Minnesota, and she pulls her seat back and has this baby going 70 miles an hour down the highway. And and I, I use that illustration to say, how often do we just keep plowing through life? We don't stop to get God's help. 
We don't pull over and cry out to God. We just try to just, you know, grit our teeth and work through it. God, as C.S. Lewis so poetically said, he can whisper to us in our pleasures, right? But he shouts to us in our pain. And when we're, in, when we're hurting, I mean, whether it's discipline or it's not discipline, we need to turn to God and just say, God, help me. We need to start praying. And then we need to start praying in a way that I think Romans chapter 8 gives us some great direction on. And that is the obvious prayers, they need to be prayed. I mean, we always pray for relief. We pray for God to fix the problem. We pray for God to restore our health or fix the financial issue. But beyond that, we need to move beyond that and start looking for other things that God wants to do in our lives. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, 2 Corinthians says, and he prayed three times. God remove it. And he didn't. And then God redirected his attention to show him why that was there, right? For him, it was a humbling issue because of his great revelations he'd received. Now, we're praying 333 times for God to remove it, and that's the only prayer we're praying. That chapter is going to help you understand how to broaden your prayer life to say, okay, you've prayed for it to go away. It's not going away right now. Your problem is still there. Now, what other prayers should we be praying? And there's so many as it relates to the glorification of God. How can God use this and parlay this problem, this situation, to glorify him, not just in your life, but in the lives of other people? And I work through all the biblical principles that help me understand how God can use prayer, for instance, in the life of the Apostle Paul, to make him the kind of person that God wanted him to be, which is not only a healthy, mature Christian, but a blessing to other people. So that chapter is critical. Pastor Mike is author of the book. He's referring to brand new, Lifelines for Tough Times, God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. You were kind enough to mail me out a copy ahead of time, and I read through it, and it's, it's very profound, Mike, and it's very powerful, especially in this day and age where so many of us are being challenged to say, the Bible, is that the inerrant word of God? Do we believe everything, believe everything literally? And you're so sound in the way you teach. And this book, I agree with you. It's written simply ways that we can comprehend, but it's also so, so deep. So in our last segment here, talk a bit about God's unchanging love. And uh, anything else about the book you'd like to, to share, we would be grateful to hear from you. Well, let me quote a passage. I, I, I mean, this is a great text from Romans 8, but it's also uh, some of my own comments on it from page 171. I, I quote Romans 8, 39, which if you don't know the context of Romans 8, he's dealing with people that feel like they're delivered over to suffering like sheep led to the slaughter. They're struggling, there's tribulation, and he ends it by saying, I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Ponder that promise, I write. God's love is faithful and loyal. Nothing can separate it from us. Paul knew that these Christians were facing suffering and they were under attack, but his assurance to them was that even if their temporal circumstances were as bad as they could possibly be, God's love for them would never be withdrawn. So it is for us. If every last person were to turn away from us, if all the forces of hell seemed as though they were pitted against us, God's love would remain constant. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Those promises in the midst of hard times can be an anchor for your soul. Because like a kid that's sitting in a doctor's office having a shot planted into his shoulder and thinks, God can't love me, and in this case, mom can't love me if she's letting this happen to me, 
Right now, our perspective is limited. And we think, wow, if God loves me, how come this is happening? And yet there's mom, right? And, and, and every parent's been there. We sit there in the office. We hold our kid's hand. It's hard. We know it's hard. We know it hurts. But we know that what they're going through is for their own good. See, and more than shots, my daughter, Stephanie, who is the story that kind of is, is woven throughout this book. You know, here we let the doctors drill a hole into her skull and put a rod into her brain, right? Cut open her feet and break her bones and reconstruct her bones. I mean, we did all of that willingly and purposefully. Because we love her, right? We're willing to hold her and rock her in the midst of that pain because we love her. Here's God putting us through financial problems, allowing relational problems, allowing even that internal pain that just seems to eat away at us. Those are things that we think, well, then God cannot love us, right? And, 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 and it's like my daughter saying, Mom and Dad don't, don't love me because I'm in here on the operating table. It's just not true. It's not true. The Bible says that those sufferings should be, and this is the most mature perspective of all in Romans 5, should be something that lead us in some profound and inner way to rejoice. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know they're going to produce endurance, and endurance is going to produce character. We're going to come out of this in the long run. We're going to look back, and we're going to see this is something God has done that has done for me something that never could have happened had I lived without the struggle. I, I, I did ministry for a while, for three years, while I was uh, finishing up my undergrad at the University of Arizona. And there was this place, the biosphere, that was halfway between Tucson and Phoenix. And it was out there off the highway. And it was a place they tried to build this kind of indoor, you might remember it, this indoor world, you know. Well, they realized the trees that they had planted in the biosphere, they all, they all died. They all fell over. They were weak. And they were weak because they realized there was no wind. They never had to struggle. They never rocked back and forth. You know, you'll see that when the wind picks up here in Southern California. You watch those trees and they tilt and they, and they, you know, it's like, wow. Well, all of that is making those trees strong. In the biosphere, they had to start putting wind, artificial wind in there just to get the trees to live and survive. See, God is putting us through difficult times because he wants to change our lives. He wants to make us more effective. He wants to, quoting again John 15, wants us to bear more fruit. That's what God wants to do. We're listening to a special interview with Mike Fabares and KKLA radio host Frank Sontag today on Focal Point. They're talking about Pastor Mike's pivotal book, Lifelines for Tough Times. And on this final broadcast in this month of September, it's our very last occasion to offer this helpful resource to you. One reader said, Lifelines for Tough Times explains why God allows trial. It will align your expectations with what God truly says in Scripture and will give you hope and confidence in a God who is sovereign, loving, and faithful, even when He allows pain. While many others have found biblical truth and hope reading Pastor Mike's book, it's so important that we think rightly about suffering so we can be encouraged ourselves while we also help others to overcome the hard things in life. That's why Focal Point is so dedicated to getting out the full truth of the gospel so believers aren't misled by false promises of heaven on earth. Perhaps you know someone who's suffering from some disillusionment right now. Well, get this book and pass it on to them to help dispel the fallacies that cause faith to falter. The name of the book again is Lifelines for Tough Times, and we'll send a copy to you along with our thanks when you make a generous donation today to Focal Point. Request your copy and give online at focalpointradio.org or ask for the book Lifelines for Tough Times when you call 888 320 
1-800-288-8585. You can also write to Focal Point. Our address is Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, the zip 92654. Thanks for remembering that Focal Point is a completely listener-supported ministry. It's only through your generous gifts that we can bring this Bible teaching program to the radio, to the internet, and even to your smartphone with our Focal Point app. Again, give online at focalpointradio.org or call us at 888-320-5885. I'm Dave Drewy, wishing you a restful weekend. Be sure to meet back here again next week as Mike Fabares continues his message, Praying Through the Pain. Listen again Monday to Focal Point. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.